Welcome to another edition of Food, Faith, and Feelings, brought to you as an educational program under the nonprofit MANA Scholarship Fund. Our program is designed to help you better understand issues related to your physical and mental diet, what you consume that is impacting your head, your heart, and your soul. We are thankful to our business partnership with Paradigm Security and Mr. Rick Strawn for providing this opportunity to come to you today. We hope to enrich your lives as he has enriched ours. Our guest today again is Miss Tori Payton. Woo woo! Tori is our primary lead dietitian at Mana Treatment and sees all of our program clients. Mm-hmm. Well, she and Lisa split yes. them and helps us run groups. And she's got a little bit of a marketing mogul. Uh, in her little (laughs) front pocket too so she helps us with all of that and so um, we talked last time about uh, how to help the person like the client who has struggling with an eating disorder or emotional issues or trauma related issues when they are at home with their family and they're faced with all this stuff having to deal with all this stuff which can be pretty overwhelming this time we're turning the tables we are going to talk about if you as a family member maybe you're the mom or the dad or the sister and you are trying to help guide this person support this person love this person through difficult times Mm -hmm. and so you mentioned last time that we have a parenting program or we call it the family-based iop Mm -hmm. Uh, You want to explain a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So we have a PHP and an IOP for clients that are dealing with eating disorders and have realized that it's very beneficial for family members, support systems to also get training and education as well as have a safe space to ask their questions and to bounce thoughts and ideas off of other family members going through similar situations. Um, So we've created a family IOP where those support systems can come and learn and participate to better help their family family member that is in treatment. Yeah, and so you were an integral part of that program. And uh, so we designed this because the people who were coming through and trying to figure out different ways of coping with their eating disorder and trauma issues, um, basically they're getting like a master's and a doctorate degree in themselves in treatment and recovery mm-hmm. quite frequently those who who do well become uh, therapists and dietitians <laughs> yeah. themselves as they move on such as myself um, and so we thought that it would be only fair to let the parents also get at least a bachelor's degree right. in this so um, so tell us some common things that maybe some of the parents ask and struggle with and how you help them Yeah, I think, I guess the main generation population we work with is probably, would you say, teens to 20s, kind of in that age range. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we, treatment, that's kind of what we're seeing. But I think realizing too that the generation before that and before that also dealt with a lot of diet culture and dieting, Mm -hmm. and it was very trendy and popular. Um, So a lot of the parents coming in and family members are coming from that mindset Mm -hmm. so the idea of intuitive eating and 
all foods fit, there's no good foods, bad foods, is kind of mind-blowing at first to a lot of the parents. Right. Hey, while you're, while you're at it, why don't you yes. explain what uh, intuitive eating and all foods fit means? Perfect. Um, so intuitive eating, I think a little summary is basically eating when you're hungry, stopping when you're full. Oh, kind of that's a phrase so we simple. throw around. <laughs> I know. <laughs> if only. Right. Um, and a lot of things impact that and obviously play a role in that. But being able to be in touch with your body and eat to fuel your body, stop when you're full, not feeling obligated to um, clean a plate and um, eat more than you need to. Right. So many people, I'll say in my generation, mm-hmm. um, who grew up in the, uh, what is this, Generation Z? No. Why? I don't remember what generation I'm in. I graduated high school in 1986. I'll say that. Um, so we we did grow up with you eat what I put in front of you mm-hmm. and you will finish all of it. Right. Or you will not get your dessert. Right. Um, we also grew up without cell phones, so we had to go play outside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we lied. We drank. We did all this kind of stuff. <laughs> it was, I think my first beer was when I was two. <laughs> and you know what? I'm okay. <laughs> Here you are, thriving. Right? I'm thriving. <laughs> Leading. Um, okay. So, so some of the other things that parents might struggle with or family members might struggle with. I think um, watching their child's body change throughout a recovery period, Mm. um, part of recovery from an eating disorder often includes body change Mm. um, that looks different for everybody. Um, I think there's a, you know, an idea that certain eating disorders look a certain way and their body should change a certain way. And that's just not always the case. So I know um, some parents have difficulty watching their child refeed or fall into a weight category that is more appropriate for their child. Right. So our bodies um, do have their own kind of preset set points. Mm-hmm. And um, based on what is going on with the age of the child, I mean, I have watched children grow up and grow out and then grow up and Mm -hmm. then grow out and as they are growing their bodies are changing and adapting to what they need Mm -hmm. in that moment and I think one of the things that most people don't understand is that for people who are struggling with say an anorexic or restriction that is doing a whole host of things to your body Mm-hmm. It is changing your metabolism. Mm-hmm. It is changing your your mind. It is changing your heart. It is all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. If you have an athletic child and they are playing soccer or they are doing gymnastics and they go to the doctor and their heart rate is a 40 or a 45 or mm-hmm. a 50, that is not because they're so healthy. Right. Lots of times eating disorders are hiding in the midst of athletes Mm -hmm. especially top performers right and so doctors also need to be educated so I would just say to a parent who's dealing with a child who is maybe they're heavier than what you have are used to them looking you know I'm I'm a blunt person Mm -hmm. and so what I'm going to say is get over it and shut up (laughs) yeah I'm serious yeah if your child has been struggling and they, uh, they're going to be uncomfortable in their body anyway. Right. And for you to focus on it and make a comment, mm-hmm. um, don't. Right. 
if you are afraid that they're getting too big, that's your issue. Exactly. You need to get into therapy. And I, I'm telling you, I am hot about this because mm-hmm. there are so many people, adults, who project their own stuff mm-hmm. onto their child and they will not accept it as being their own. It, they will, their fears are, well, I don't want my child to struggle with the, the friendships and being rejected because of their weight or their size because I was. Mm-hmm. That is your stuff. Right. They are not living your life and you need to get into therapy. Yes. Uh, we have plenty of openings. We will be glad <laughs> to see you at Mana. Yes. The number is 770-495-9775. I mean it. And if we can't help you, we'll put you somewhere with, with someone who can. Okay. So yes. now that I'm all off my soapbox. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> deal with your stuff, number one. Right. Deal <laughs> with your stuff. So um, what are some other issues that they bring um, I or think questions? A lot of times they feel isolated. They feel like everyone is watching them. Everybody's watching what they put on their plate, watching what they eat. Oh, the person with a, maybe an eating disorder. Right. Yes. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Now I'm going to tell you a personal story. Okay. I had my eating disorder, right? Mm-hmm. I was anorexic and then I was bulimic for four years, mm-hmm. 14 to 18. And it, I've, I just told last, last, uh, uh, my story of the family member that told me I was fat at Thanksgiving. So for the next probably 10 or 15 years, every time I went home for Thanksgiving, even though I was not binging, I was not purging, I was not restricting any longer, Mm -hmm. I still felt like everyone in the room, all of my family members were watching me. Yes. Especially if I went to the bathroom after Mm -hmm. I ate. And so having that as this sort of imaginary audience is hell. Yes. So... What would you say to a parent? I would say, and this is feedback from some clients as well. I've asked them what would be helpful to communicate with your parent in those moments. And they have said it would be very helpful to have a conversation beforehand Mm. and for their parent or family member to come and say, so here's a situation, you know, family's coming over, we're having Christmas dinner, whatever it is. How can I support you? What's going to be hard? How can we make it easier? What would be helpful for you? Um, and having like just open dialogue about what that could look like, what can be changed or tweaked or discussed um, ahead of time so that you're not going into it flustered and unknowing. um, And that helps calm anxiety a little bit per some clients that have spoken up. That's great. So basically, like if if a family member, a parent or whoever asks, actually tell them if you're the client. Yes. And then I would say for the family member that's being sought out, listen. Yes. And I know some parents from the family IOP group have also have spoken up and said they're worried about triggering their client. They don't know what to say or not to say. So sometimes I think they stay silent. Mm -hmm. How would you advise them if they are worried about triggering their child or family member? A hundred percent of the time an eating disorder is not about food. Mm Mm-hmm. So you don't want to focus on the food. If you notice that your child is quiet or hiding or staying in their room or in the bathroom or, you know, otherwise are struggling, then I would say, what is going on? Are you struggling? And how can I support you? Okay. You look like you are sad. You Mm -hmm. look afraid. I see you're withdrawing. So focus on that behavior 
and not the food because the food becomes the coping skill, Mm -hmm. right? The food is speaking the words that the person cannot. Right. And so if I, it's very similar to drinking. So if you notice that a family member is drinking, you can say, are you, are you struggling with something? Like, are you worried? Are you scared? Like angry? Like, you know, God, that aunt Hattie, she just, she can't, she doesn't know when to shut up. Does she (laughs) like, and I, I personally as a therapist and as a, just as a human, Mm -hmm. I like to make people laugh. Right. And so what was that word that, that is in the, the group room that if you say it in an angry way, Oh, bubble no. bubble it's is it bubble like that yeah so in your angriest in your angriest tone say the word bubble mm-hmm. bubble, bubble. <laughs> like, you're like you can't <laughs> without, can't lying. Angry without laughing i mean <laughs> um what are some other ways to just like lighten the mood maybe mm-hmm. and maybe not have to like get into it right then and there right mm-hmm. um or you know, say something stupid. Like, did you just fart? (laughs) Like, you know, like what? Totally take somebody off guard and refocus their mind. Yeah. Um, I'm picturing parents like, did you just fart? Take notes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. Next. I got it. Okay. Okay. Um, So what are some other questions maybe that parents have for? Um, I think, So we've talked a little bit about like restricting and how they might feel watched. I feel like that also happens for people struggling with binge eating disorder or bulimia um, and having that fear of overeating. Yes, people judging, Mm -hmm. she shouldn't be eating that. She's had too much of that already. They create this kind of narrative in their head that may or may not be actually happening. So I will tell you what I did do to that family member who said said something to Mm -hmm. me that one time, years later in the future. Uh, my cousin had a daughter and she was three and so this person said she's looking fat and I heard her and I and I was I was this child's advocate Mm -hmm. even though she didn't say it to the child I said don't you ever talk about that child or any other child in a way that is disparaging of what they look like Mm -hmm. I was like that is not okay and because she knew where I was coming from she just shut up yeah. and she's a hard person she was a hard person to shut up yeah but I I did advocate in that way because I was like that's not it's not okay you that's your stuff like I'm sorry you don't feel comfortable about your body right so you know I I kind of border on I'm so honest I'm rude sometimes right I, I'm, I'm aware of that it's <laughs> kind of a thing that sometimes I work on it and sometimes I most of the time I just don't care just embrace it uh, yeah right it's it's part of being 53 <laughs> <sighs> the older you get the less you care I love it <laughs> um, but so as not to you know unnecessarily offend or hurt another person because we don't want to do that mm-hmm. um, you just want to have a very clean, clear way. If you need to protect your child mm-hmm. or your loved one, you can just say, you know what? I think that's enough. Like, right. why don't we go play canasta or let's go outside and talk to mm-hmm. everyone? Like, to really become that person's, um, not bodyguard, but just advocate. Right. Um, and help to release some of the pressure. But again, if you ask the question of that person that's struggling, 
with the trauma or the eating disorder, you can just say, uh, I will listen to you and Mm -hmm. then do what you say you're going to do. That's the best way to get somebody to trust you. Right. If you promise that you're going to do something, do it Mm -hmm. because they will know that and then they will give you more information later Mm -hmm. and they will appreciate that later. Yeah. So. And that helps with the isolation. They don't feel alone. They know that you are there and you have backed that up. You've said you'll be there for them and have their back and be there. And you're proving to do that. Right. So. So um, I am not sure that we've answered all of the questions or all of the things that the parents are struggling with. Um, I'm trying to think of the parents that I am dealing with. A Mm -hmm. lot of the times I when I am working with a parent. Mm-hmm. I really focus with them on how can you be their ally? Mm-hmm. How can you listen? Um, and some parents, they just don't have the, they're stuck in the old belief systems right. of, you know, a child uh, should be seen and not heard. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that stuff is really, really toxic. Yeah. If you are basically that that kind of a statement is invalidating of that of that child as a human being as human beings we are all equal Mm -hmm. right and so treat another i mean it's kind of like the golden rule in the bible treat others as you would want to be treated Mm -hmm. and if you will if you are if you are a parent and you are struggling with getting the respect and attention from your child that you would like to get um i would challenge you to show your hand first and respect that child Mm -hmm. if you ask them a question don't invalidate the answer yep really question it what do you mean by that what do you mean you don't like me what do you mean by whatever it is that they say actually open up and have a conversation Mm -hmm. do something different if you feel like things are going all wrong Mm -hmm. now There are a lot of parents, I have a lot of friends that actually still have teenagers Mm -hmm. and I get that they can be pretty cantankerous. (laughs) They just, they've got, you know, hormones going and they've got friends and they've got social. I'm, I feel sorry for kids these days because we didn't have, I didn't have to deal with social media. Mm -hmm. I just had to deal with what did they say during the day? And I replayed it in my head anyway. Um, but I, I do feel like kids these days have a lot more pressure mm-hmm. than like I did when I was growing up. And so trying to be that safe person for them, um, I, I spend a lot of time at the practice talking about love and safety, mm-hmm. that love and safety are the two primary things that every person needs, mm-hmm. including the parent. Yeah. And so if there, if you don't feel like you are getting it from your child, then maybe there's something that you can change in order to show them how to to give love and safety. Love is, um, I see you, I hear you, I appreciate you, I respect you. Safety is, I'm not going to hurt, I'm going to try to not hurt you in any way. Mm -hmm. And that's emotional, physical, sexual, all all the different ways that we relate to people. Mm -hmm. And so focusing in on being loving, and being a safe person for them mm-hmm. um, will actually win you that relationship. You will earn the right to have that relationship. And I think too, recognizing parents aren't perfect either, and they're gonna make mistakes. And 
if that happens, if you say something or do something or feel you could have done it better, and I don't have children, so I am, you know, I can't exactly speak to this. Are you kidding? You got about 16 of them right now. It feels like it sometimes. (laughs) Even if they're older than you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But being able to apologize and say, like, I should not have said that, and, you know, I'm sorry. Wow, I suck. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) That was bad. Mm -hmm. You were right. I was wrong. I'm sorry. Yeah, absolutely. Because that kind of deepens that, like, love and trust and, like, oh, okay. Well, and making sure that they know that it's okay to make a mistake. Yes. Like, if I know that when I'm human and I make mistakes Mm -hmm. and that I – if I can own up to my mistakes Mm -hmm. and I can say I'm sorry, I can say uh, let me try that again, Um, let let me redo, like all of those things to just own, take Mm -hmm. ownership and responsibility, that's going to, you are going to be your child's best teacher Mm -hmm. and and you will earn the right to be heard. Yes. And, And that right there in and of itself because what we are seeing with this family IOP that we're doing is that as the families are changing, mm-hmm. it is shifting the dynamic for the child. Let's say your parents and you're in the, the IOP and your child is in treatment. Mm-hmm. And these kids are coming out of treatment in less than two months, whereas they would spend four to six months in PHP right. or IOP. Now they're finishing within a month or two. Mm-hmm. And that's be, and the whole family is actually changing. And so um, really, really amazing because parents actually hold the power in the family. And so they have the power to help change the family and their kids. Yeah. And so basically what it's sounding like or kind of what we've talked about is what parents can do that is the most helpful is having open dialogue listening, following through, not focusing on food, not focusing on food, being Um, an advocate, right? Owning responsibility, taking your own responsibility. So, Mm -hmm. well, this has been fantastic. Yes. Thank you, Miss Tori. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll have you back. Hopefully. Yay. Um, And again, um, if you have any issues and you are in the uh, local Atlanta area and you would like to Uh, participate in our programs or get counseling at MANA, um, you can go to manafund.org or manatreatment.com. That's M-A-N-N-A, fund or treatment. And our phone number is 770-495-9775. You can also go on those websites and drop us a few bucks because we are doing a lot of scholarshiping and we're creating the MANA house. In fact, I'm going tomorrow to look at a potential property. So exciting. So exciting. Because we are trying to create a safe and local facility for people to reside while Mm -hmm. they're in treatment. So thank you again, Tori, for joining us on Food, Faith, and Feelings, presented by Paradigm Security and the MANA Fund. And don't forget that you can enjoy any of our episodes anytime by visiting businessradiox.com, selecting the Gwinnett Studio, and then clicking on Food, Faith, and Feelings. This program is also available on Apple iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Until next time, I am Dr. Jeannie Burnett, and you've been listening to Food, Faith, and Feelings on Business Radio 